everybody. So we are so excited to be here. We are here to talk about the latest Disney live action remake, uh, live action uh, film based on their previous properties, Christopher Robin. And uh, I'm Rachel and my friend Conrado is here to talk about all things Disney. He certainly is. And he's very excited to be here. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. And if you want to hear more of our thoughts about Disney, we did an over under podcast that was really fun where we talked about uh, movies that we think are underrated in Disney canon and ones we think are overrated. And one of the ones we talked for quite a bit on was actually the original Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. So I'll put a link down to that if uh, you want to check that out. That was a fun one. Yeah, it was fun. I think it was the first uh, podcast that we ever recorded together, right? I think so, yeah. I yeah, so look where we are now. <laughs> That's right. Come a long way. Yes. So uh, before we dive into this latest movie, I thought it would be kind of fun to talk about this re these remakes as a whole and, uh, and how we feel about them and then dive into this specific one. So... <laughs> uh, yeah. what is your overall feeling about this sort of remake trend that disney has been doing mm -hmm. so i guess when we talk about the remakes i i guess i would like to start by sort of defining what we're talking about because mm -hmm. i feel like disney has been doing remakes for a while now there's definitely the 101 dalmatians back in the 90s yeah. and you know the parent trap was also in the 90s but I think we're really talking about the very recent trend of taking mostly their animated sort of canon classics and remaking them. And I think, uh, I think the trend that I see in these more recent remakes is that they try to sort of like uh, very consciously update them to like our times like they try to bring in something new to them that wasn't there in the originals that speaks to like our new sensibilities i don't know if you agree with that yeah i mean i was sort of thinking i feel like this whole trend started with alice in wonderland with uh that being such a massive hit and that kind of got this whole sort of ball rolling as far as taking the animated films and trying to make live action versions of them and uh for the most part i have not liked these movies there are some that are fine but others that i really don't like and the the thing i kind of feel like uh, you know i call them the cheap pools in the uh <laughs> in the late 90s 2000s uh the direct-to-video sequels yeah the direct-to-video sequels and i kind of feel like these are the new cheap pools in the sense that like some of those are fine like you know the Aladdin, Aladdin sequels are fine. The Lion King. Thanks, it's being generous a little bit, but sure. <laughs> They're fine. Like the Lion King sequels are fine. Uh, the Lion King, uh, Lion King one and a half. That's the Timon and Pumbaa one, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember liking that when I was a kid. Yeah, this. Uh, I I think the Leo and Stitch ones are pretty decent. I like Cinderella three. Some of them are 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 fine, <laughs> but um, I I, I kind of like the first. I kind of like the Little Mermaid prequel, not the sequel. Um, mm -hmm. But obviously, none of them are even close to the originals. And, mm. uh, and the only reason they exist is to make money. And That's a great point about these new movies. Because although, yeah, 
I think these new movies, definitely the main reason they exist is to make money. And, you know, with Disney, most of the things that exist from them have money as one of the top priorities, obviously. Um, but I do think they are trying to bring in something new to the sequels a lot of the time. And I think it's interesting that most of the time it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, and I think it, it doesn't really bring anything. I mean, it brings new stuff that wasn't there before, but I don't think any of that stuff is necessarily valuable. Mm-hmm. But it is frustrating on a couple levels for me because... Uh, first of all, it's not the way Disney always was. Uh, Walt Disney is famous for saying, around here, however, we don't look backwards for very long. We keep moving hmm. forward, opening up new doors and doing new things because we are curious. And curiosity keeps leading us down new paths. We keep moving forward. And so that, that was his philosophy. And that's why Disney never made a sequel in his life, hmm. as far as animated. He never right. made a sequel and he had plenty of opportunities too. And people who wanted him to make sequels. Yeah. But, well, I think it's also, we should also keep in mind that back then sequels weren't necessarily profitable the way they are now, you know, the market right now has uh, sort of evolved into a market in which sequels make usually more money than the originals. Whereas back then it was the opposite. Although at the same time, one can make the argument that Disney helped to create this sequel market. So, you know, it's, it's a complicated mm-hmm. issue, I think. But it, we're yeah, definitely at a point where remakes and sequels are seen as the, the most profitable thing to do. And, you know, one of the biggest companies in the world, it makes sense that they would want to try to yeah. get some of that market. But it, and it can't be denied that they're extremely successful. So, you know, they're their business and so they have a right to make and, money <laughs> so yeah. I, but uh you know it is i do feel like it's sort of going against walt's greater vision and which is frustrating and also it's frustrating because <clears throat> when uh when laster and crew took over uh um walt disney animation studios when they when he became the president uh he they their first movie was that came out after that was meet the robinsons and mm-hmm. uh and he talked about if you read creativity incorporated they talk about just how dispirited and how um sad everybody was when they went in to the studio where after having done chicken chicken little and just how uh there was mm. no creativity and everything just seemed very everybody was really nervous about like uh suggesting ideas and all that stuff and uh, I just think it was really interesting that at the end of Meet the Robinsons, which is a film that has problems, but I think it does have a core message of hope, which I like. Hmm. But at the end, they have this moving forward quote at the end of hmm. Meet the Robinsons from Disney. And so I feel like, and right when Laster took over, they stopped the cheap calls because they were going to make a Dumbo 2. They were hmm. going to, and he was like, nope, no more. And so I, I feel like it, it's disappointing that they kind of lost that initial sort of promise, I, I feel like. Uh, hmm. and yeah. Anyway. I, guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is this is definitely frustrating, especially for people like you and I that like have a lot of uh, feelings and connections to the, to the old Disney classics. Yeah. Um, but it strikes me as not necessarily a Disney problem. This seems like it's a, a mm. sort of media Hollywood at large 
cultural problem because I think I see a lot of going back, remaking sequels, going back to things that, you know, already exist all over the place, yeah, not just at sure. Disney, but like, you know, in TV and in, even in books, in music, like, you know, it's all over the place. So I think it's definitely something that is much bigger than just this company. That yeah. being said, these remakes, I don't like them. Yeah, and i also wrote i also hate the way that they're marketed uh there's just so and part of it is my fault for being a disney blogger so that i get so much of it um more than the average person but to have like things like the beauty and the beast uh remake to have plastered right on the trailer even better than the original you know it's just like Mm -hmm. oh like i wish that they could do what like mad max fury road did where they just sold the movie they didn't have to say, oh, we're modernizing it, we're updating it, we're making it better. You know, it just kind of makes me, makes me sad and it frustrates me. But hmm. uh, so I hate yeah. the way movies are marked. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think we can have a whole other podcast. We can have like a whole, you know, series of podcasts just <laughs> on the history of Disney marketing <laughs> because yeah. that's like a big, um, yeah. <laughs> but let's talk real just real quick about each of these uh we can just say like yay or nay All what right. we thought about them so uh we have tim burton's alice in wonderland that got this ball rolling mm-hmm. big nay for me <laughs> yeah. it's one of the worst movies i have ever seen in my life in my opinion i really really hate that movie yeah it's just so i agree nay for me it's so it loses all the nonsense it makes it boring with this prophecy it makes i hate the hatter in it it was very annoying i think mm-hmm. too much of the red queen she's shrill and they use in the animated film they use just enough of her and it's just not fun there's no nonsense to it and mm. uh so yeah don't like it um I am not a huge fan of the original Alice in Wonderland. That's something that we talked about in the mm-hmm. first podcast that yeah. we ever recorded, like you mentioned. Um, so I could potentially be sold on, uh, you know, a reimagining of Alice in Wonderland. It's a little different from the original, but this, whatever they did here is just so lame and insipid. And honestly, I think it looks very, very ugly. I think it's one of the ugliest looking movies I've ever seen. I can't believe that it won two Oscars for production design and costume design because I just think the whole aesthetic of the thing is, you know, like a parody of Tim Burton stuff and with none of the like actually engaging visuals of some of his best movies. I, mean, I really, really don't like that movie. Yeah, I, I actually do think the costumes are pretty good, but but I, I but Colleen Atwood is you know the best uh so but i uh but i agree with you on the aesthetic it's just unpleasant Mm -hmm. Uh, so all right then we have maleficent which is a movie that i hate with a thousand fiery suns i get it that they tried to do something different but it just really pissed me off they (laughs) i hate Mm. what they did with the fairies making them just so phenomenally stupid i hate the idea that i mean they're practically letting aurora walk off of a cliff i mean that's their only job they have three people and they can't take care of her like i know they're a little silly in the animated film but they were actually like pretty smart too like they Mm. they're able to uh get uh fill up the sword of truth they're able to they they're the ones that suggest the idea to stefan of uh and they're able to hide uh aurora from melissa maleficent for 16 years successfully 
here she finds out about about it in like the first day and the fact her whole motivation is so ridiculous i hate the ending with her her being true love's kiss is so ridiculous i hate it i hate mm-hmm. keith Stefan in it he's awful awful actor awful performance i hate the character i am like why do you take one of the best villains in disney history and replace it with some weak awful villain you basically have maleficent getting raped at the beginning i mean with him taking her wings and leaving her so so you take this character that's like a strong you know villain and turn her into this like victim like it made Mm -hmm. me so mad yeah um, I don't remember a lot of that movie, but I do think, uh, I think I appreciate that they try to do something different a little more than you are. I think to me, the most interesting the aspect of the movie is what you mentioned with the sort of rape uh, allegory and what that could say about a character. I think that's like an interesting thing in concept. I don't think they did anything particularly interesting with it in the movie. Um, I also, yeah, I, I, I have very little feelings about it other than it, I, yeah, I don't really like it as a movie, um, but I don't hate it the way you do. It was my first rant on my channel. I, <laughs> um, but, but Sleeping Beauty was very special to me as a little girl before, before Little Mermaid, it was my princess movie. So yeah, I don't know. There you go. Um, but, uh, and, and I have lots of other little nitpicky things that drove me crazy, like the way they handled the the way they handled the crow and the way that they handled the blessing scene really irritated me anyway so but angelina jolie is pretty good that's the only thing i really liked about it um and i guess her costume is pretty good uh so cinderella cinderella is my favorite of all of these remakes i think that i mean i love cinderella as a story in general i just think it's a very hopeful story um but i really like the fact that I like the message of kindness and courage in it. I think it's a really good message. I really like that they expanded on Lady Tremaine's character just a little bit, just enough to give her some backstory without like completely changing her. And I just like the fact that it was like, we've had so many warrior women stories. I like the fact that this was like a softer, more feminine version of strength. And I, I like that you get to know the prince just like a little bit and uh so and i like the way they involved the animated film like a little bit like had her humming some of the songs and different things without it uh like there was just sort of an homage um so i enjoyed it i thought it was a good movie um i think uh i think cinderella is fine from what i remember uh I agree with you. I really like the thing I remember the most and that I like the most is what they do with the prince and that they make him a very sensitive and, you know, character. I, I remember the scene in which he crawls into bed with his, with his dad, with the king when he's sick. And I thought that was a very tender moment and very emotional. I wasn't expecting them to do some, something like that with the male character because it's so, you know, rare that we see that sort of tenderness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that. I think one of the big problems I have with the movie is that this is back when they Disney, I think, was a little afraid of making these remakes into musicals, and I think this would have benefited a lot from being an outright musical. It would have been 
I would have enjoyed it much more. I think, you know, the little singing that there is. Um, or just like an it's a little yeah yeah, yeah. I, I would have liked it I think I would have enjoyed it more as a musical I thought the movie was like a little you know dull at times I I, I think the music would have given you like the extra energy that I wanted from it mm. I can see that I can see that all right then we had Jungle Book this was John Favreau and I, I I think this one is pretty good. I like, it certainly looks impressive. I like they changed Mowgli into more like proactive character. He's not quite as whiny, not quite as annoying. But I don't think a lot of the, the in this case, I don't think a lot of the, um, uh, the ties to the original Disney film really work. Uh, I don't like the way that they made Louis so mean. He's supposed to be slick and cool and you know, because we already have a mean villain in Shere Khan. We don't need another just outright bully mafia kind of character, which is how they played him. I didn't hmm. think that the singing worked in this really at all. I, it just, it, I don't know, fell out of place to me. And, uh, but other than that, I thought it was fine. Um, yeah, I think it's fine as well. The visual effects are really good. Um, there's some good moments. Um, you know, going back through them, I realized I don't really remember a lot of them a lot. And yeah, I think that's very maybe, forgettable. yeah, that's, I think one of their biggest weaknesses is that they're, you know, cause they rarely go for something truly, you know, they bring in these little changes, but never something like memorable and dramatic, you know, that you would yeah. say like, well, that's why I think Maleficent 2 is going to be a not going to do well because these movies sure they make a lot of money at the beginning but nobody i, mean, I don't hear anybody talking about like oh maleficent one of my favorite movies they gotta yeah, make a well scene. what about alice through the looking glass yeah. that didn't make any money that was the next one and it was not great i mean it was a little bit nicer to look at i think than the original mm. um and uh but it was you're supposed to buy that that alice would risk like the whole fate of everybody going back in time and making all these changes and stuff because of her deep love for the hatter which i never felt in the original film i didn't feel like mm. they were that great of friends and uh and so it's it's not a good movie uh i, don't I never it saw it i haven't seen it and uh it sounds atrocious though yeah, it was really bad. Um, okay, and then we had Pete's Dragon. Uh, this was by David Lowry. This is uh, this is a really good movie. I, yeah. I really liked it. it. It's really a remake in name only. <laughs> it's totally different than the original. Yeah, I mean, now we're talking. This is far and away, like with no contest, my favorite of the remakes. The only one that I would say is like a truly good movie in my opinion and i think it's so good and it strikes such a nice tone and it's emotional where it needs to be it has like a sense of awe and a sense of discovery and the dragon is so well animated and has such nice personality yeah um i think it benefits from being adapted from a movie that is uh you know known by a certain demographic you know people of a certain age and you know Disney fanatics, but not really beloved to the degree, and you know yeah. uh, ubiquitous the way that some of the big, more popular remakes are, and then yeah. they could change a lot of it for the better, and they didn't feel beholden to the original. And I think they benefited a lot from that, and makes it the best of these movies. Yeah, it, I really agree. It was a beautiful movie and they really took the sort of the boy and his dog but it was a boy and his dragon and uh it it was 
yeah really good so okay yeah. well let's start talking about christopher robin so now this is the the wait uh, a second we haven't talked about one more remake the last year's beauty and the beast the oh biggest my. of them all <laughs> and also the best one of them all right rachel <laughs> How did I forget to put that on my list? That's funny. Uh, so, uh, yes, so Beauty and the Beast. So this movie, I am not a big fan of. I, I feel like, uh, so originally I gave it like a C because I think that if you're not like a hardcore, like it has some fun, big uh, musical sequences but i did a 50 minute video of i called it my mm. nitpicking of beauty and the beast because there were so many things they did that irritated me i don't mm -hmm. understand the changes they made to gaston's character that made no sense to me i thought the whole the foo being gay thing was so insulting honestly like not that he's gay but the way they handled it was mm -hmm. worst i think that i uh, i thought that uh, the whole idea that maurice would keep the fact that his wife died of the plague as some kind of shameful thing made no sense the book was terrible i hated the fact that they <laughs> somehow made the household objects culpable for the what happened for the curse it's like you know they're like well we could have we watched him raise raise him like this and we didn't say anything it's like you were servants he was the king what are you supposed to say like are you kidding me? And that made me really mad. I hated how they handled the ending when, uh, when like Belle's kiss doesn't actually make him transform. It has to. So he's just they're just like sitting there, and all the they're turning into permanent objects. And then the um the sorceress or whatever, who's the worst person in the world, um, comes in, and then she decides to change things back i was like what that made me really mad and i hated emma watson singing so much she can't sing and i didn't like emma thompson's version of beauty and the beast and i i don't know i was just not didn't like it okay but tell me how you really feel <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think this is clearly the, the biggest example of being beholden to the original, but wanting to change little details. I feel like the, my review of this movie is just, why? There's no reason. Every little thing that they changed, the, the original is so good right. that there was no point in changing anything, and everything that they changed was a bad choice didn't go anywhere made the movie worse than it was at the beginning so the best case scenario was that they made a like shot for shot remake of the animated film and if they had done that then why would they have done that in the first place so i think it was just it's the biggest example of what makes these remakes so unfulfilling yeah i mean they could have done what the broadway musical did and just expand a little bit like like what i was like saying about cinderella like expand a little bit the way it expand a little bit on lady tremaine's character without like fundamentally altering who she is and uh, you know which i i like that but yeah i mean the whole it was just and the whole leading up to it made me a crazy person with the way they were marketing it and uh yeah so <laughs> hmm. but i feel like i mean everybody was like oh this is the greatest movie ever 
And then now nobody is talking about it. Like I don't hear anybody like saying, oh, that was such a magical, like my nieces aren't talking about it. Like they were about Frozen or Moana. Mm. They're talking about Moana way more than they're talking about Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Gives me hope for the future. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, let's move on from that experience and yeah we have three next year oh my gosh i'm gonna die but um <laughs> we have, but let's talk about christopher robin all so right we, we were blessed to only have one remake this year i mean there's a sequel in mary poppins but mm. i feel yeah hopeful about yeah that. we'll talk about that when the time comes, <laughs> i guess yeah. um all right. But anyway, so let's talk about Christopher Robin. Uh, so this directed by Mark Forster. And were you kind of excited going into it? I was excited because I thought it looked cute. And I, I thought, oh, maybe they're doing something different, kind of like Pete's Dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of reasons I was excited for it. The first one was that um, when they first announced it, they announced uh, Alex Ross Perry as the screenwriter. Uh-huh. And he is a very unusual choice because he usually makes these sort of very small budget and very uh, mature and adult, you know, indie dramas. He's a filmmaker based in New York City. And he's made a lot of psycho thrillers and, you know, very movies about unlikable people, I guess. So I was curious to see how it would take on such a, you know, nice and beloved character um, is Winnie the Pooh. So that got me interested in the first place because I'm usually not interested at all about these remakes. And the other thing that got me interested was when the trailer came out and I, well, and I think a lot of people thought the same thing, that Pooh looked really cute. Yeah. And very adorable. And so that made me think that this might be like a delightful movie probably Paddington played into it as well. Yeah. Give me a bit of a feel of like, oh, a nice British bear. I think this is going to be fun and cute in the same way. Yeah, that's basically it too. Because I love, it's still my favorite. Paddington 2 is still my favorite movie of the year. I Great love movie. that movie. So, all right. Well, now that you've seen it, what was your overall thoughts about it? Your overall response? Um, my overall response is that it's fine. There are things about it that I like. There are things about it that I don't like. Mm-hmm. I think in a, uh, as a whole, the things that I like are more than the things that I don't like. So if we're talking about pass-fail, I would probably give it like a soft pass. Um, okay. And I don't know. We can go more yeah. in depth about it. Um, my sense is that most people are not too thrilled about it. Uh, and it's been perceived as somewhat of a disappointment. I have very specific uh, feelings about why that is and theories. So we can get into that later. Very good. Yeah, I was disappointed. I There are some good things about it. But overall, I didn't really like it. Uh, I just, yeah, so we'll talk about it. Uh, so first thing I thought we'd ask is, what did you think of the overall aesthetic uh, of the film the character designs and also just the lighting the aesthetic hmm. uh, it was very unusual yeah um this is interesting because i think just based on what i've seen you uh you know like tweet or talk about in on your blog or so far about the movie uh-huh. i get the sense that you have some issues with the story and the screenplay of the whole thing i actually think that the screenplay is uh, perfectly fine 
I think that it's not the best thing I've ever, you know, heard in my entire life, but it's a screenplay that works, that hits the, you know, right beats or whatever. It could have made for a pretty good movie. I think the biggest problem with the movie is in the direction and in Mark Forster's uh, decisions. Um, so if we're going to talk about sort of the design and that sort of thing, I think the design of the characters for the most part works for me, but the way in which the movie is shot, which I think is something that you are trying to get into, um, does really doesn't take, you know, it doesn't, I don't know how to, exp to say this. I feel like it doesn't support the material. I feel like there is material in the screenplay and then the direction doesn't seem to connect with what the screenplay is trying to do. There's a, especially in the comedy. I think that there's a lot of, moments of sort of physical comedy or like little bits that it, they just don't play because of the way that the director decided to shoot the scene. Um, just off the top of my head, I can think of an early scene in the office when the boss comes around and he sort of like um, leans on the, on the pile of suitcases and they all fall to the ground. And I think that's supposed to be funny or a little bit of comedy, but it's shot so close to his face and it's cut so quickly in the editing that it doesn't even register as a joke. And I think a lot of the things that happen later in the movie, a lot of the, I guess, action sequences, like when they're like running through the streets and all those sort of things, they're shot in a way that you can't really tell what's going on. You can really get the jokes. Everything seems a little off. Um, yeah. I think he was not very considerate and about what he what the choices he was making yeah i can i can agree with that i i do like the aesthetic as far as though i i feel like the the lighting the i the like the character design and stuff some people have said it feels like a terrence malick film uh, for Disney <laughs> yeah. as far as the lighting and uh, i guess that would be more um emmanuel lebesky actually <laughs> Sure, uh, but I mean there is that moment in which Pooh like caresses the fields of wheat as he's like walking towards Christopher Robin, which is such a Terrence Malick right. thing to do, and it's just very—I don't know what the point of that was, but I mean, and I like—I mean, I'm a—I'm a Terrence Malick apologist, and so I—I uh, I like that aesthetic, and so I—that was a plus to me in the movie. I liked the character designs; I thought they felt felt uh, cuddly and cute and and kind of old and. I I liked that. I liked the character designs. I liked the design aesthetic. I thought it looked nice. So mm -hmm. I think the lighting and the character design, I will agree with you, are are actually pretty good looking, especially when com compared to some of the other remakes that we've talked about that look really hideous. But um, I think it's more so in the in the choices of directing in terms of where to put the camera and the editing yeah. and the shots and that sort of thing that really doesn't mean. do it for me. I can see what you mean. So one thing that annoyed me, and this gets, gets to sort of my main problem with the movie, is that in the original film, I love the ending when Christopher knows that he is having to move on from a uh, childhood, and he says to Pooh, promise you'll never forget me and uh and who says uh i i i promise and uh, uh will live to be a hundred anyway they go back and this is uh and these and who says well, how long will i live and she's 99 you know and and then silly old bear and you get this whole scene and it's so good and um wait so let me just start to interrupt but you're talking about the the beginning of this movie right so, but there's a change. 
So in the original oh. film, it's Christopher saying to Pooh, promise you'll always remember me. What they do here is Pooh uh-huh. says to Christopher that promise you'll always remember me. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, you have Pooh like asking for the promise and Christopher forgetting him. And that really irritated me because uh, they, that means basically, and like these are in this, in, the, in this movie, these are like sentient beings who other people besides Christopher can see. And so Christopher has forgotten Winnie. He's broken his promise. And I don't know, that kind of bothered me. I can see that. At the same time though, if he had remembered his promise, you know, like there would be no movie. So I feel like the whole premise, because it's basically the plot of adult person has to reconnect with his childhood self. So it's basically like a remake of Hook, if you really think about it. And the whole premise is that he would have forgotten who he was back then. And then Pooh comes back to bring him back. Uh, But I do, I mean, you might have a point that they could have done it in a better way. Yeah, well, uh, not put it at all. What they right? should but have if- done is had his daughter Madeline stumble upon the Hundred Acre Woods, and there are Pooh and Piglet and everybody living happily there in the Hundred Acre Woods, and she meets them, and then Christopher ends up meeting them, and because of his daughter, and it was like, oh yeah, I remember, I remember. But in this case, it's like Pooh and and Piglet are like in this weird limbo, waiting for Christopher to come back. And he's forgotten them. It's like, what? I don't know. It really annoyed me. I didn't like it. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, and then I, yeah, because these are like other people are holding them. Other people are seeing them. Other people are hearing them. That was a weird choice, I thought. And also, like, I thought it was really weird the way that when Christopher sees them, sees Pooh again, like his response was not a typical, like when people see a magical creature in most movies, they're like, oh my gosh, whoa, what is this? And he's like, not even that, like, he's like, Pooh, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, what? Hmm. Was I actually kind of liked it because I feel like we've seen that reaction to the magical creature so many times and it just like, waste of time at this point we know that he's going to recognize and go along with Pooh, so i actually like that um that we didn't spend too much time with him being who what is this crazy um talking bear or whatever um i don't think that was necessary but it just made him feel like he was cold to me that's a different point i could see that yeah that you know he'd made this promise to Pooh long ago and then he sees him again and you think he would at least be like oh my gosh this great thing for my childhood like i don't know it, just, it made him seem emotionally cold to me but i can see what you're saying it, it it's true i but um another weird thing so we've had many movies about the workaholic dad that usually it's a dad that comes to comes to understand that he has to love his family and spend balance things out and everything like that and that can be a good message but it's pretty usually it's pretty handled pretty badly i know there's lots of hallmark movies that have this message because because hmm. typically in hallmark business is the villain <laughs> it's the right. best 
business. Um, it is in this movie too. Yeah, yeah. And so, so, so I can be, I can be fine with that. But what was really strange here is that we're supposed to vilify Christopher for his love of business, but the only reason that he is missing this weekend with his family is because if he doesn't work literally the entire team is going to be fired like yeah so weird like he's doing a really good thing like what is does what is the Haley atwood think, character what does his wife want him to do like let all these people get fired point. you make a good point and i think it might be a little um i don't know this may or may not be in contradiction to your original problem with the movie but i feel like it could have worked if they made Christopher into more of a unlikable person, right? Like someone who has forgotten who and his like life in the hundred acre, right? Like something like that in which he has totally forgotten his family and he doesn't even realize that, that his uh, daughter and his wife are missing him and want to spend time with him, you know, because he is a pretty decent guy and he feels bad about the fact that he can't go to the country with his wife and kid or whatever. So I can yeah. totally see that well i mean that's why you want to have madeline be the one to find the hundred acre woods and be the one to help her kid her father get out of his grumpiness like that makes way more sense hmm. to me sure yeah i mean i could see that working <laughs> um but uh oh so yeah it's so weird like he's not even a bad dad like i had to actually this is gonna sound really funny but i had the same problem with nine lives like nine lives has lots more problems than this movie <laughs> But, like, they kept trying to sell that the dad getting turned into a, a cat was deserved. And it was like, no, it's not. He literally spends the first, like, 15 minutes of the movie getting a birthday present for his daughter. Like, he's not a bad dad. And, and it's like, this is super mean that he's getting turned into a cat. And like, he hasn't done anything like that's that bad. And I feel kind of the same way here. I'm like, maybe I'm just cold and dead to business or something. Because he's not like a, a bad dad. Like, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. I think, yeah, maybe there's a... I feel like I hear this a lot. But this might be anecdotal. But a lot of people, I feel like, really are afraid of their main characters not being likable or you know f uh -huh. not feeling relatable and that sort of thing and i think that might be what's going on here especially for children's uh entertainment but we've had unlikable characters in the past and they have worked really well you know like you mentioned scrooge or like yeah. the grinch or yeah characters like that like you know because everyone is like uh, angry or upset or selfish at times so we can definitely relate with that sort of thing and maybe we can be a little more daring in our children's entertainment is how i feel about it yeah i agree with you my favorite scene in the movie was the scene at the train station when he loses poo and with holding with the balloon and everything oh, i thought that was the balloon was so good i thought yeah. the balloon was so funny and also so sweet how he yeah. just goes i really would like a balloon it made me very happy yeah that was very sweet and i i liked that that whole sequence was my favorite part mm -hmm. i think that sequence um really justified for me the decision to make the the uh toy characters be seen and heard by other humans because we got a lot of you know funny moments out of that especially in that scene um 
at the same time, that scene made me a little frustrated because I was thinking of how this scene would have played out if it was directed by a different person. Like if it was directed by, for example, Paul King, who directed Paddington and yeah. Paddington 2. And I think of the scene in Paddington 2 in which he tries to be a barber and how that scene is mm. so well tailored to the comedy of the scene and how you can yeah. see exactly who, what, you know, the just the idea of Paddington being or not being in the frame is funny in that scene. Yeah. And something like that would have been really great. You could have gotten so much out of it with these very cute, very funny characters that on top of everything else have these personalities that we already come to love. Yeah. So you could have, I think, yeah, it was a little disappointing that you couldn't go even further with the, with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that. I agree with you. Uh, yeah. And then we get, he gets to the hundred acre wood and uh, you have this, whole scene with Pooh uh getting scared about the woozles and uh and he kind of christopher is pretty mean to Pooh. i feel like in this scene and mm -hmm. Pooh leaves and mm -hmm. and uh and then he has to convince the rest of the hundred acre crew that he's not a woozle and i don't know is he do you think christopher is a little too mean i mean uh, that's a hard question to answer. I mean, the the screenplay requires him to be mean in that moment, right? Because they require yeah. Pooh and him to part ways. I think this points at a, at a maybe at a bigger issue, which I think we might have thought about getting into later. But just the idea of the Winnie the Pooh characters working better in smaller, lower stakes stories than they do mm. in full length films with a, with a big story arc, because you know, most of the, I mean, at least what the, the Pooh stories that I think work best, like in the original Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh are three shorts yeah. that have like pretty low stakes and, you know, everything is very cordial and very childlike and, you know, um, raising the stakes into a full length feature. I think it requires a, a level of conflict that goes uh, against sort of like the, you know, the basic personalities <clears throat> of these characters. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's a really good point. I agree with you. Uh, even in the 2011 film, it's really kind of bunched into little shorts in a way. It's not as much as many ventures, but it's like little, they're sort of little subplots that it kind of divides into, uh, which I, I appreciate. And that movie's like, I think only 65 minutes and I appreciate that as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I thought that they did a pretty good job with all of the characters. Uh, the, um, I thought I liked, I liked all the voice acting. I thought it was all good. And it's nice to have, uh, you know, Jim Cummings is Pooh is, is, a legend um and i thought and brad garrett was eeyore he was really good as eeyore and i i i it caught me as a surprise that jim cummings was also doing tigger because they had announced chris o'dowd as tigger but apparently he didn't really uh i think it didn't play in the test screenings people didn't like it and so they oh. went to jim cummings to redub the part interesting i didn't know that interesting yeah yeah i mean there wasn't very much tigger uh but um but yeah i thought they all all the voice acting all worked for the and i thought they captured the characters sure. well yeah i actually i was surprised because i didn't know this that some of the characters were 
toys and some of the characters were actual animals. And oh, yeah. That's, that cool. And that is from the original books. I didn't know that. I looked it up after the movie because I was wondering about that. But yeah, rabbit and owl are not really toys. They're just an owl and a rabbit that live in the woods. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, and this was a problem in the 2011 film is they kind of make owl and rabbit the same. And and I haven't read the books in a long time, but my understanding is that like owls, the sort of the snobby, um, Fraser Craneish kind of type, and yeah, know it all. Yeah, know it all, and, and where rabbit is the cranky one, and yeah, and they like are both the cranky ones. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, neither of them gets a lot to do. We spend most of the time with the main four, you know, yeah. characters: uh, Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Eeyore. Yeah, and my and especially Eeyore and Pooh. yeah which is fine with me so overall i mean this is just a lot of sort of pratfalls and and different things like he falls into uh a a a pool of water and different things like that and i did think it was cute the um the briefcase of important stuff that Mm -hmm. uh that he has and that uh tigger places replaces his important papers with a um with drawings and stuff like that. I was mm-hmm. cute. And yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with that. I think the, the parts where we spend time with the, with the animals uh-huh. are the ones that work best. Yeah. And the ones that sort of like are very cute and very entertaining and they're good enough that it make me forgive the things about the script that I wasn't crazy about, the things that don't really work that much, the parts that feel, you know, like we've seen a thousand times before because just spending time with these characters um, is having a good time. And I think they do a really good work with them, especially Pooh. I think they did a really good job with him and he's so um, cute and he's so funny and you can, you know, Pooh's always been one of my favorite characters out of the, you know, Winnie the Pooh stories. And I think they do a really great job here. My only problem was that I just didn't feel a sense of like whimsy. I didn't feel a sense of magic. There were maybe a few moments in the Hunter Acre Woods, but it all just felt kind of gloomy to me. And I think mm. it's because they started off with like Christopher's forgotten them and like the characters are all kind of sad. And there is always a little bit of a sadness to Pooh, um, you know, because he's a deep thinker and a ponderer and all that. But I don't know, like I missed a sense of whimsy, I think, in this yeah i can see that i don't know about sense of whimsy but i do i definitely agree with um the the sad element there is a little bit of like you know nostalgia in the in the winnie the pooh stories and definitely the disney versions and i think they lean a little too much into the the sad you know emotional things in this one yeah it it really felt like they were trying to you know make the grown-ups say cry or like you'll be emotionally overwhelmed because like hook has lots of problems but it does have quite a few scenes of whimsy uh and you know exploring neverland and and uh playing with the lost boys and stuff i stuff like that like i I feel like it's more magical than this well you also run into a problem because the hundred acre woods is not you know such a adventurous big exciting place in the way that neverland for example is yeah, that's fair. and especially for an adult so when you have a christopher robin as a kid 
it makes more sense. But like bringing this adult person into this world full of little plush toys, it's like a little weird. And like, where do you go from there? They can have a picnic and have a good time, but there's not much else that they can do. That's why it would have made the most sense for Madeline to found the Hundred Acre Woods. This is the lesson from this story. That's the fundamental <laughs> flaw of this screenplay is that she's being sent off to boarding school. So she goes, runs away, hides, finds the Hundred Acre Woods, and has this magical experience with Pooh and team. That should have been the story. But nevertheless, um, yeah. <laughs> so they, uh, they end up um, uh, realizing they need to get these papers to Christopher. And so they go and they're in London. Madeline is, Madeline is lost. And there's, you know, shenanigans throughout London, uh, which I thought were fun. Yeah, they're okay. I think this is another part in which I wish that we had a sturdier hand directing the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the editing, is, you know, there's a lot of driving cars and chases and that sort of thing. I think you could have gotten a little more mileage out of them with a with a different uh, shot list, let's say. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, and he, so he ends up getting to the meeting, and his uh, the whole family is there with all of the uh, animal creatures. And uh, he announces his plan that they, that they should reduce the price of luggage and give all the employees paid leave so that there's more increased demand for luggage. What did you think? <laughs> this was a really bizarre way to, I thought, <laughs> of, of coming up with a solution. Um, Perhaps a little more honest than some other times because, you know, his solution is at least rooted in capitalism, which is, you know, we know Disney loves capitalism. So it feels a little more honest than just him being like, nobody should work. And, you know, things that I'm sure nobody who works at Disney would ever say. But so this plan goes a little bit more in uh, honest direction. It still feels a little bizarre. I, I think it, I would like to see um, a parody of this sort of movie of the dad who is overwhelmed with work directed by someone like uh, Boots Riley who directed Sorry to Bother You, you know, just because it's so such a bizarre thing and he seems to be such a like a left-leaning socialist director. That it made me think a lot about that stuff. I wonder what he would have thought of this ending which is so <laughs> he literally turns the trickle down economics uh, triangle oh, upside down <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're gonna give everybody paid time off mm-hmm. and, i mean it's very european <laughs> you think about it. yeah well listen seems to work for them so <laughs> there you go i'm i'm a fan <laughs> they can do this uh this is great um so it was that was kind of funny to me and of course you have the uh the evil the true villain his uh associate who's doing all the work for while the associate goes and plays golf mm. that's the true villain you know he's bad if he plays golf yeah <laughs> it's just like in in hallmark movies mm-hmm. if the character in christmas movie is talking on his cell phone in the car in the first like 15 minutes you know he's no good, <laughs> no good. Right. Or like how every bold person in a movie is a villain yeah right because <laughs> they should be participating in christmas spirit not talking on your cell phone uh, no all right so then we get um 
yeah and then we're not gonna send madeline to boarding school and everybody's made up and everybody is happy and there you go so uh i i uh i did think it was fun the ending with uh with richard sherman playing a new song busy doing nothing that was pretty cool on the beach that was uh i mean i I didn't really like this movie but i wouldn't be surprised if that ends up on one of my highlights of 2018 movies because i love yeah (laughs) that was cool Mm -hmm. And it's very nice. It's funny, and it's cute to see the, all the characters in the, at the beach with their sunglasses and whatever. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, we basically pretty much covered everything. Uh, do you think that they could have made Haley Atwell's character, his wife, more interesting or better character? Um, I think every wife character in every movie could be more <laughs> interesting because how could they not? <laughs> so yeah, they could have given her. A, she has a couple uh, funny moments with Eeyore that I think are pretty cute, but you know, she could have done more right uh yeah uh yeah and the weird gin rummy neighbor what was the point of that it was just to show that, that he was just strange he was just was too busy really, yeah because it doesn't really pay off in a way so the, I, <laughs> listen the the screenplay has three credited screenwriters and my uh hunch is that they did not write together so i think like you know alex Perry wrote the first draft then they brought in probably either Tom McCarthy or Alison Schroeder to write the yeah. second and then the other for the third. So, I'll, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like is... a movie that wanted to figure itself out. <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, have, have you seen a Game Night? Yeah, I have. Oh, yeah, Game great. Night. Of course, why the neighbor. The neighbor in Game Night. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, why is he so, yeah. like, find someone else to play Jin Remy with, you weirdo. Well, in Game Night, the neighbor pays off in a huge way. He plays in a huge part in the story, but this weird neighbor never comes back. That's right. He's not even at the beach, I don't think. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> He's just playing Jin Rummy by himself. Probably. Yeah, it was really odd. Like, yeah, talk about Paddington 2, which I do think that hurt this movie a lot because I, I just think that movie was so much more better executed. But the, uh, the, 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 um, Peter Capaldi character in mm. Paddington uh, is so much better executed in that way. <laughs> right. Uh, it's kind of the nosy, difficult neighbor. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that they should just move. Christopher should just move to the country. They have that whole house there. And then Madeline can play in the Hundred Acre Woods and, and, uh, yeah that i mean i guess he'd be too far away from work but evil work (laughs) uh but i don't know it just wasn't i really bothered me that they changed the promise i really didn't like that and i think that they should have had madeline be the lead and christopher to to find his magic along with his daughter and Mm -hmm. i mean i think ewan mcgregor was was pretty good sure yeah yeah good job um yeah but overall i was i was disappointed it just i didn't think that there was whimsy i didn't i thought some of the messaging was strange i i i just i don't know i just didn't it's not the worst Mm -hmm. but i was disappointed sure i didn't really um yeah 
I thought it was okay. I had a good enough time. I I think I I really think the the animated characters, especially Pooh, did a lot for me to you know have a good time, enjoy the movie. I wouldn't call it you know a masterpiece or anything like that. I thought it was okay. It would probably be my second favorite of the remakes after Pete's Dragon, if I'm being honest. Mm. But I'm not really crazy about any of them except for Pete's yeah. Dragon. Interesting. It it would probably be my. I think it would be my maybe my fourth. I think I I think I like Jungle Book better. I think I'd say, um, Pete's Dragon, Cinderella, Jungle Book, Christopher Robin. Mm. Personally, mm-hmm. so. Because uh, I like what they did with Mowgli's character, and that I liked, I thought that that was an improvement upon the original. That part of it, at least to me. Uh, so, yeah, there we go. So there it is, Christopher Robin. Well, next we get uh, Dumbo, so that should be interesting. Or I guess Mary Poppins. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens. But <laughs> we'll see. But uh, at least we got a, a new Sherman brother song richard sherman song out of all of this we can be grateful for that but mm-hmm. um but thanks for uh come and talk to me about these remakes and about uh christopher robin it's absolutely fun. it's always fun i really enjoyed it so uh where, where can people find you um right so the easiest way to get to me is probably on twitter i am at coco hits new york and I have a blog, which is cocohitsnewyork.wordpress.com. I'm not writing a lot on that blog these days, but I might. Uh, I am, though, writing at least once a month for a very nice website called alternateending.com. So you can look for my writing there, and I will be definitely sharing whenever I write something for them on my Twitter feed. Cool. Great. I'll have the links for that in the description section and you can follow me at rachel's reviews on itunes and on youtube and uh and all of our social media would love to hear your thoughts about this movie it seems to be pretty divisive people either seem to really like it or are not into it uh and um so let's know which side you are on and what you think of these various remakes i'd love to hear and uh thanks so much again i really appreciate it yeah thank you all right and we will talk again soon